Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who might fall into delirium midway through this episode, is Nathan E. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still testing positive. I'm good for about 15 minutes. Um, like a, a Conte player, he's not that keen on. That's that's about all I've got. You're Matt Doherty. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm... Uh, First game back, Matt Doherty. Yeah, and we've got Chris Tomasell warming up on the sidelines <laughs> just in case. Smacking his lips together in preparation. He's touching his toes. <laughs> Bardi, welcome home. Thank you very much, Chris. It's great to be back in the UK. I had a fantastic time in um, in Mexico, but it was um, a painful, painful plane over. I didn't sleep much, watched a lot of films. My wife, she who's about half my height, she curled up like a little dog on a, <laughs> on a, on a, on a mattress. <laughs> Whereas I was just really uncomfortable and yeah, just generally dozing on and off, but not really getting any mm. proper sleep. Mm. Not great. Uh, any good holiday stories? I, I, there was a few. Um, we stayed in the adults only um, hotel, which was great. And we um, there was an activities pool, which was brilliant because if you know me, you know I, I quite enjoy my, my water sports. So like water polo and volleyball and everything. But on the last day, I had an unfortunate accident where my team was, we were struggling in the volleyball. So I decided to up the ante a little bit and um, went for a smash. And I hit a, I hit a legitimate smash, but I, it also hit the finger of a, of a, a, a German lady and it looked like it snapped her finger. Oh, uh, oh God. First aid oh was called. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, incident report log book came out, which was, I didn't think they had those in Mexico, but yeah, they had to pull one out. And um, she spent the rest of the day on by the side of the pool with her hand strapped and her finger in a, in a splint. Oh, mate. Ruined her holiday. <laughs> it was my last day and it was, <laughs> it was, it was her third. So oh, that's what you get. But to be fair, her boyfriend, he was smashing the ball as well. So, you know, and my wife was on my side. So he got what he was coming. Stakes were raised. <laughs> the stakes were raised. He, they rose, they, they lifted those stakes and I, I put some mustard on it and smashed it back to him. Yeah. It's like- serves, serves them right for having their towels by the, uh, by the pool early on in the morning, eh? 
So it, it will learn them. It will that will learn them. Windy the Germans coming over here thinking they can come to my volleyball um, um, pool. It doesn't happen. <laughs> A few little um, bits of admin before we start. So, firstly, Sarah is back at the food bank. Um, we've mentioned Sarah before. She does an incredible. Sarah Edwards she does a fantastic job supporting the food bank at Tottenham. It's one of the community. Um, enterprises uh it's 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 very close to the stadium you can't miss it um it's parked in the community center car park at the church road end opposite number eight the pub and diagonally opposite the club shop uh right by the burger van you really can't miss it this time they are at the game on sunday between 1 30 and 3 30 uh i've been to help out there before and i'm gonna be honest they didn't get a huge amount of donations um, despite it being quite obvious that it's there. Uh, if you have anything to donate, that would be wonderful. You could pop to the, the shop on your walk to the ground and donate something. That would also be wonderful. The things they particularly need this time around are sweet and savoury snacks, small packs ideally, jams and spreads, things like peanut butter, and things like tinned custard or rice pudding. They, they would go down very well. So um, really appreciate that. Obviously, anything that you can spare would be very welcome as well. Um, and I'm sure Sarah and and her, her colleagues would really appreciate the support with that. Also got a message on Twitter from Sivanth Sivakumar, who said, I listened to last week's pod, which was great. Thank you, Sivanth. And don't want to undermine the blood donating message, but actually leukemias don't particularly benefit from these, except as a bridge. The thing people should do is consider joining the British Bone Marrow Registry, which will help those, including lots of kids, with leukemias and lymphomas and is something that most people have never heard of. So we really appreciate that. Um, that I mean, the point is absolutely correct. We wouldn't want to undermine the blood donation message. There are um, There's a, a bit of a crisis with, with blood shortages at the moment. So do register to give blood. Uh, I, reg- I, I, I give blood regularly, but I booked my next appointment and I couldn't get one until like January time, um, which was a surprise to me. But do try and um, book your blood donations. But I think... Joining the British Bone Marrow Registry is also a fantastic idea. So thank you so much, Sivan, for getting in touch with that. Let's get stuck into the Everton game first. We've got two matches to discuss. And so for, for clarity, we're recording on Tuesday night this week because we wanted Bardi to be home from Mexico so that we could um, talk about Hoybier, obviously. <laughs> um, we've got Everton to talk about and we've also got Eintracht Frankfurt to talk about. Now, I thought these were two, on the whole really good performances and kind of what I was hoping for. I, I thought, you know, Spurs are having a good little mini run here. There's potential to build something. And I was really happy with with both of these matches. Uh, let's start with Everton and the team selection. So team selection for Everton was, I guess, interesting because a lot of people were expecting 3-5-2 and what we saw was more 3-4-3, Nathan. Were you expecting uh, 3-5-2? I think I would, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely people were disappointed. Um, hmm. I can't were you remember. disappointed? I can't remember what I was anticipating. <laughs> it feels like ancient mm. history now. Mm. Um, I don't think I was completely shocked to see... I mean, it definitely felt like... Yeah, no, you're right, actually. It felt like we had moved into this new era, right? With the Brighton game, with how much better we seemed to play in the three-five-two in the Brighton game, it felt like right... Um, three four three is yesterday's formation. Emerson Royale is yesterday's right wing back. I mean, we've been saying that for months and months and months, right? Um, 
So this did feel like a bit of a, a step back in terms of, of selection, yeah. Mm. Um, but Bardi, that meant Richarlison could play against his former club, um, which can can sometimes be a, a real benefit. Uh, the other interesting changes, I guess, Doherty coming back in for Emerson Royale was expected, but also Perisic coming back in for Sessegnon. Was that a surprise to you at all? I was surprised that um, Perisic started. I thought we might see Sessegnon again. I think he's had some good moments in the last few games. But like, I'm, I'm a bit like Nathan. I don't know if I was surprised at the 3-4-3 now. Now, when it came out, it was just like, I'm in that kind of position. Where I'm like, okay, that's that's what we're going to do. I I think... Um, I do think we've been working our strikers a lot, so perhaps going to three-five-two would allow us to rest one of them, which is kind of what I wanted to see. But I was okay with it. I was I was fine with the formation. And this game for me, so so let, let's sort of give some context. Everton, bad. bad team attacking, very bad team attacking, but defensively pretty stubborn so far this season. Pretty stubborn. Um, they have been one of the stronger defensive teams in the league. Because they don't do much attacking, really. Um, and I had some concerns after the first half that we were going to find them tough to break down. And then I'm not sure we did. They've conceded the second most expected goals against in the league. So they've conceded really? um, 11 actual goals, but but around 17 or more expected goals. So okay, okay. the thing with them being good defensively is they've been getting away with it. I think that they're a bad team. And I, okay. I maybe I'm just ill, but I've, I'm here on this podcast to piss on everyone's cornflakes and say Everton are bad and Frankfurt are either bad or are just a really bad sort of opponent for us. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. So I I watched this game. One of the one of the beauties of uh, of being out of your kind of normal comfort zone or echo chamber, where however else you want to say it, is I watched this game with Everton fans, mm. and I don't really know many Everton fans in real life. And I asked them like, Frank Lampard's just stinking your team up, and that's mm. what you do. And they were okay with their approach to how they do things. I think they came so close to relegation last year. Yeah that it was an actual possibility, that they're all right with this approach at the moment. I don't think it's going to last long because eventually they got fed up with Allardyce doing a very similar thing. So I was all right with the, the with how we were playing. I think there was a lot of negativity all over the place in our Discord on Twitter about the fact that it was nil-nil at half time and people expecting something different. But I thought we were in control of the game. And like you said, it was just waiting for the moment to come where eventually we would do them. And it would either be something brilliant from us or a mistake from them, which is kind of how you score goals anyway. So... I was okay with this game. I think this is a, a perfect example of Antonio Conte, controlled, winning matches. You don't always have to play a 9 out of 10, which is something we don't do that often. So I, I'm all right with it. Looking back at it now, it is a perfectly good result against a, a tricky team. Mm. Yeah, so the first half, um, Everton sort of defended, I thought, pretty resolutely. I, I, I do think Cody and Tarkovsky is a pretty passable defensive pairing for for a sort of bottom half Premier League team. I think that's a, a decent a defensive duo. Um and, and, and Pickford I, as P- well. Pickford is having a really good se- Pickford's having a really good season. Um I like Mikalenko as well. I think he's a I think he's a good fullback, left back. Um, obviously Coleman was playing this game. Coleman is well over he's well past it at this point. Um Patterson is their first choice right back, but you know, whatever. So I thought they did a good job of frustrating us. They've got this new midfield um, and they defended deep and they they stopped us from generally accessing the penalty area, except for the first 10 minutes where we did get some some passes through the box, often long balls from the back. And we were just, I felt 
effectively recycling play and shifting it nicely from side to side, just keeping them moving from one side of the pitch to the other. And my view at half time was, we, like, we'll tie them out. If we just keep shifting the ball across the pitch in this way, we will tie them out or they'll lose concentration for a moment and they'll switch off and, and we'll have our moment. And we just need one to land right. And then as soon as they have to come and chase the game, we will pick them off time and time again. And I was thinking at half time, this could still be three or four nil to us because we, we're good enough to score three or four against this team. Um, and then in the second half, actually, it was much more of a, a sort of tactical, I thought before, like a really good, strong, tactical, professional performance from Spurs, where we seem to reserve a lot of energy. But we also had some really nice, really nice football. Um, we obviously were forced into a shape change with Richarlison coming off injured and Basuma being the one chosen to replace him, which freed up Bentancourt to do the thing that I love most about Bentancourt, which is press like mad. And he was really, really effective in doing that. Freed up Hoybier to break forward and he did that to good effect. Uh, it was really nice to see the two central midfield players linking up for a goal, actually. And like they, like the fact that they, ra- they ran into each other's arms was a very sweet moment as well. Um, but I thought there was improvement from the fullbacks, so, uh, the wingbacks rather. I thought Doty had a much, much better game. I thought Perisic also had a much, much better game. And I left this one feeling really good about the overall Spurs performance. I'm glad. I'm glad you do. I'm genuinely really glad you do. I, I, um, I struggled a little with the first half. I, the first half was to me was an okay team, very slowly grinding down a bad team, right? Okay. And then in the second half, after the the formation change, I thought we we picked it up quite a bit, um, and it and it was a fair bit better. Um, I what well, I mean the reason I <laughs> the purpose of my uh, pessimism is not just to be grumpy, but to say like. I don't think that we have like made a fundamental step forward in the last couple of weeks. I think that we still have a lot of the similar issues. Now the three five two's done quite a bit for us. So I did a I did a video on Patreon, right? Um I did a short video on Twitter and on YouTube where I where I took a clip from last week's episode talking about the three five two against Brighton. Um because last week um and in that clip I said um, the three five two helps us up, helps us out when we're sat in, back in our defensive shape because it covers the 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 channels better, and then um, it also helps us sort of be less outnumbered in midfield, and so we had more on the ball, and that was nice. But it's not improving as offensively. And then in the Everton game, it clearly um, considerably improves us offensively. So I did mm. uh, your favourite genre of video, Wendy, which is showing my workings. <laughs> Um, and so I just watched the chances from that game, and we tried. I tried to look at what had changed and what hadn't, and what the possible reasons for the three five two being so much better in that game were. Um, in the end, I re- recorded for about thirty five minutes, and then I put out a fifteen minute video because I just sort of. This is the reference the intro of the podcast. I sort of lost the plot a little bit and went delirious and just <laughs> just rambled on aimlessly for a long time, going round and round these clips in a circle. But the first fifteen minutes, I think, is pretty solid. So I just put those out basically. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like having um, having both the wide. Um, number eights and the wide centre backs being able to sort of both have space out wide and and interchange and play the ball between themselves um, and just have a sort of general more fluidity in in our structure um, enable sort of a much better link up between midfield and our forwards. Whereas in the first half, our forwards were somewhat isolated from 
from the play. And like you said, we still managed to get attacks on the go by playing sort of um, balls over the top, but um, it was a bit more sort of intricate in, in the second half, I think, what we could see from that video. Um, and I sort of showed how that looked like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, um, I just, I think <laughs> if Arsenal were seventh right now, I'd probably be, we'd all be feeling just so great about our season, wouldn't we? I'm not worried about them one bit. I'm really, I feel zen about this situation. I, I, so just to sort of um, give a bit of additional context to why I'm feeling better about things. Sure. It's not necessarily that I think the performances are drastically improved, although I do think there has been a step forward. It's For me, it's more that some of the individuals are clicking. Uh, and, and by that specifically, I mean Son and Kane. I think Son has hugely improved in the last few games. I, I think the hat-trick helped him for sure. But, you know, he's contributing more. In all, in all manner of ways. His crossing against Everton was absolutely superb, really on the money consistently throughout the whole game. Um, that's great to see. Kane is looking like Harry Kane to me. Like There's there's good stuff happening with, with Kane. The uh, the right wing back position has been a problem all season. Emerson Royale, good player, not a right wing back. It's very much a right back in a defensive team in my view. Uh, Matt Doherty has come in and for me in this game he was a threat he was a really useful threat on the right hand side and and that is very pleasing to me as Bali said I think Sessegnon had a really strong game um, in the previous match and I thought Perisic had a really strong game in this match so I'm just generally feeling better about where we are as a squad at the moment off the back of, of, of a run of games where I feel fairly content if I go back to the the first Eintracht Frankfurt game, which I thought the result was an, a bit of an, an, an a bit of an anomaly, I thought we outplayed them. I thought we deserved more than the nil nil, but I would take a nil nil away in in Europe. It's fine. Sure. I was happy with that. I was very happy with Brighton, despite the sort of lack of possession overall. Really happy with Eintracht Frankfurt, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then this game, it's just a routine a routine win. Um, tactically outclassed Everton, but also. Like outperformed them individually as well. I felt um, Joel Wertheimer um, replied to the post of my video on Twitter saying, uh, "To what extent is it just that Sun gets to play more centrally uh, in the three-five-two, or when we have Kulusevski in rather than Charlton because obviously Kulusevski plays so far mm. wide that it it mm. pulls that front three over to be sort of uh, biased towards the right-hand side. That means the Sun's more in the middle, and I'm I'm not totally convinced by that, but I'm I'm open to that idea. I think that's worth mentioning." Um, but to take a step back, right, the the thing with with me saying, oh, well, you know, Everton are bad and it was still not a great first half and Frankfurt just looks really, really rough against us. I haven't watched Frankfurt domestically. Um, I've heard good things about their coaches, uh, their coach, but um, I just thought they looked really poor against us, um, both legs. But um, the the optimistic angle from what I'm saying is like, we're second in the league, right? We're joint on points with a Manchester City side who, I mean, Haaland is just absurd, right? Um, and I think that we still have a step up to go and we will, yeah. and we will go there. So me me saying all these things, don't don't get it as being like, we need to get rid of Conte. Uh, it's really bad. I'm just <laughs> being like, we're, I'm still waiting for that step forward. I'm saying we haven't made that step forward yet, I don't think. 
but we will. And we're we're progressing through two two games a week yeah. era, which is something that sure, content yeah. is criticised yeah. for. And if I don't, I, I can't remember the well. It definitely wasn't at Inter, but maybe I can't even remember if he did it at Chelsea. But if we can get through this period before the World Cup, qualify out of our Champions League, uh, out of the Champions League group, and be in a position where we are at the moment, four five points off off the leaders, whoever they are. I think it's been an excellent start to the season, man. And um, we do get a little bit obsessed with what's happening next door and peering over the the fence to see what they're up to. It doesn't really matter right now. At the moment, all that matters is getting the points on the board and and seeing where we can make those improvements. Mm. Yeah, and um, I agree that there is another there's another step up to go for sure. Um, we'll come back to the the three five two versus three four three debate because I think it's it's worth a little bit more coverage I mean, and we have some questions about it are we not going to talk about the the center midfield then are we, are we, let's, let's do it let's do, do it i mean i thought Schoeberg was fantastic i thought bentanko was fantastic yeah. but i also thought basuma was fantastic I liked, easily his best showing in the spurs shirt basuma i like the way the three of them work together i think there was something really nice there i i know nathan's not really too keen on it but i'm not too i'm not too bad i'm not too down on that mix and even if you end up swapping one of them out for skip i know they're all a little bit similar but I do think there are differences in their games and I think they can be balanced, the three of them. Um, like you said, I don't remember the last time two centre midfielders for Tottenham combined to score a goal mm. like that. It definitely wouldn't have happened in the, the Winks Sissoko era. That didn't happen. Um, I think Nathan, Nathan's thinking for one. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, ah, I, mean, I doubled down. It's never happened. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that was really nice. And... Um, I really do like Hoiber when he's pushed a little bit closer to the opposition goal. I think he struggles in his passing. I think he struggles in turning on the ball. And I think he struggles in, in breaking the press when he's when he's too deep. But when you release him and the fire hose can just get all over the pitch and just just do what he does well, which is strange for someone that doesn't look that elegant when he runs. He's he's pretty good in, in that role. But Bentancur is just next level. He's he's a proper box to boxer and I, I really enjoy watching him have a little bit more license to to gallop around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think they all look individually better when there are three for sure. Like Yeah. Um yeah, uh, it, it clearly favours both Hoybier and Bentecourt to have a play behind them and be a bit more unshackled, I think, for sure. Well, yeah, I, I, sorry, In the on. same way that Dyer works better in a free, yeah. it, it masks some of his weaknesses. Those two in a free, they, they become a better, more rounded players. And perhaps there is a way that we maybe could change one of them, of a different kind of profile in there. But I think Basuma just gives us something that those two don't have. And then those two, when they don't have to do the Bissouma work, just they just look better. I don't see it that way. I see it as the opposite. I see it that it's not that he helps cover their weaknesses. I think it's that he helps accentuate their strengths. And I think the, 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 the pressing ability of both of them. So the intensity of their press, but more importantly for me, the timing of their pressing, I think really is exceptional. I think that we've got two very strong pressing midfielders there. And what I really like about Hoybier and I like it in a in a two or a three man midfield is the bits and pieces stuff he does the the picking up the loose balls and recycling the ball in one or two touches it's so instantaneous it's so quick he doesn't mess about it's the a ball goes loose he gets under control and he's passed it back to the back line and we recycle play and we start again and I think he's one of the best in the league at that I really do um so I I like the combination of skills um I particularly like the combination of skills 
of the midfield three when we're having more of the ball. I think it's it's okay when when we haven't got the ball. I think it works. It's you know fine defensively. They they they're good screens. They they're good tacklers. They they do some good work. But when we've got the ball, I feel like there's there's a lot of ability there to control control a match. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite excited to see more of it. So the, there has been some um, criticism of Kane for going to ground um, too easily for the for the penalty against Everton. I mean, I, I, that is Arsenal fans coping, isn't it? It's, it's a it's a penalty. It's an obvious penalty. He's, in fact, he looks like he's fouled twice: once by the defender and once by the goalkeeper. Um, and I was really relieved to see him stick it away with such ease after having missed one previously. Yeah, yeah, I. I... Did have nerves when he stepped up to take that penalty. It's the first time in many, many years that I've been concerned about mm. Kane taking a penalty. Mm. Yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, it was a definite penalty. And just the, the fact that Arsenal fans could have the gall to even question it. He's blatantly speared by Pickford. <laughs> and they got a penalty against Liverpool for the, the merest of taps on an Achilles. That was a proper penalty. There was no need to even consider VAR. It was a clear and obvious penalty. I mean, Pickford's reaction says it all, doesn't he? he yeah. <laughs> you know. Doesn't even appeal. Yeah. yeah. He knows. Um, so moving on to... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Track Frankfurt again. I thought this was until the last 10 15 minutes. I thought this was a really strong Spurs performance. Um, I guess the moment I want to talk about the most from this game is is Son's second goal, which I think it's one of his best ever goals for Spurs. You know, Go on. The, 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 the purity of the technique is so good, it's so controlled. Um, obviously, obviously, Hoybier is involved, so I'm going to enjoy talking about this again. Um, like his his quick feet down the right, the the sort of the driving run forward, and then the the vision to spot the pass and and the quality in the delivery is is really good, really really good. And then Son puts it away in a way that it looks like a tap in. He, he's so confident the way he just moves onto the ball and hits through it so cleanly. It's it's a brilliant goal. It's an absolutely brilliant goal made to look like it's something he does every day in training, which maybe he does to be honest, because he's that good. Yeah, it was an emphatic finish, which is not something you say quite a lot. Um, beautiful finish, good little cross, nice goal. I was, um, I don't know, I felt, once again, just being a bit kind of disassociated with the games because you're watching it in different time zones, different different places. And But it, it did seem like a relatively comfortable game until, until the until the madness <laughs> happened. Yes. Which, yeah. Which actually spiced up the last 15 minutes instead of it just being a procession. Yeah, so the madness that happened was we replaced our entire midfield and then lost all control of the game. 
we did replace our entire midfield. Um, we also um, put Romero in the central role, Davinson mm. on the right, alongside Emerson Royale, and yeah, um, that was her- that was hideous, wasn't they it? They hideously conspired. So the thing, okay, before they hideously conspired to lose the ball, and then that led to the corner and whatever. The thing of that is that uh, we also lost the ball and conceded the goal in in the first half. I want to touch on that for a moment because um, Romero zips a hard pass into Dyer. Dyer miscontrols it. Part of the reason mm. he miscontrols it is because he doesn't want to play back to Hugo there. Mm. Um, he has a bad touch and, and someone's falls over it. But like that, I'm not concerned about that, right? Dyer makes a mistake in that moment. You can criticise Romero's hard pass. You can criticise... Larice endlessly dangling his own threat. Um, but that isn't a situation that's developing too much. I think you can write that off as a bit of a freak, ac- freak accident. But watching Davinson and Emerson Royale really conspire to lose the ball together in like in like painstaking slow motion that that was very foreseeable and uh mm-hmm. yeah i don't know the game just sort of fell to chaos yeah it's it really did yeah but it's the kind uh, of thing that that the um conte is super clearly scared of happening and avoids allowing to happen so much and now he's allowed it to happen i feel like we will never see another substitute again it was a bit yeah. wild and it, yeah it, it was very harry redknapp days and yeah it was a proper throwback to old Tottenham where things could just get out of hand really fast you go out for a couple of tequilas and it just gets messy and it, it didn't need to be that kind of night uh, but I thought Brian Hill was fantastic I I in amongst all that madness I found him really really joyful to watch his enthusiasm his running his skill um he won a beautiful penalty he sh- if Kane was able to find him, he would have scored a goal. I thought he was great, and I really enjoyed that cameo. And I think I think he would have given Conte something to think about. I mean, it's highly unlikely he'll star him against United, but I think he's he's, he's an option now. I um, it's kind of hard to to make this point here without alluding to the fact that Conte has said that he may well play a three four three against United tomorrow. Um, which is his own conversation. We're going to talk about that in a minute, right? But um, my goodness, I would prefer to see Brian Hill over Lucas Moura. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think if Lucas Moura is on that team sheet tomorrow, I'm going to have a hard time making myself put the game on, to be honest. Uh, Hill's looked rough, obviously. Um, looked more rough in, in his first cameo. Looks better this time. Was still sort of blundered um, a chance, but then also managed to turn that same situation into a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I think it was unfortunate Kane couldn't quite find him. Really threw himself on that. Really good energy, uh, but it's also just the the skill differential, right? He's offering something very different to what Richarlison offers that is a little closer to what Kulusevski offers. And I think that a B or C rate Kulusevski um, is better than a you know than a B rate. Kane slash Son type player in 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 Richarlison and or whatever the hell you think Lucas Moura offers. Um, so I don't know. The thing is that like how look how rough Doherty looked in her, his first minutes this season, and then obviously having then put together you know full game since then, he's he's massively improved our situation at right wing back. Um, I'd really like to see some more Brian Hill, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, if his first appearance had undermined his ability to become a Conte favorite then this appearance does the opposite for me um 
Brian Hill stocks are are going through the roof right now. I thought he was, I thought he was really impressive in his tenacity. Yeah, um, he was really positive on the ball, but in a sensible way, and he did just great for the penalty. It was really smart play, um, anticipated well. He's purposeful, and you could sort of see the the. Conte looked really pleased with him from the touchline. You could sort of see that he was enjoying what okay, he was doing. And this, this was at a time as well when the rest of our team were playing like headless chickens. Mm. This uh, diminutive little Spaniard just sort of capitalised on the chaos and, and made something of it. And it was it was lovely to see. He he plays like a headless chicken too, but a headless chicken that sort of somehow managed to find his way back to the ball when you don't expect it. Is there any, is there any part of you that wanted him to ride that challenge and take the shot? A little. Yeah. But if he fluffs it and he throws away the opportunity he, to win a penalty, so he put the team before himself, right? He did the right thing, but ultimately we didn't capitalise on it. Well, no, but, <laughs> you know, you played he the top He 100% one. did you, the right thing. You assume that if you win a penalty, your team has scored a goal, right? And it's a pretty fair assumption to work with. My yeah. For the um, for the Everton uh, penalty, my stream froze. Um, oh. <laughs> and then it, it came back and Kane was celebrating, which is like probably the more, the more relieving way to experience that penalty. <laughs> yeah, that seems more preferable. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it, how things have changed so much for Brian Hill in the space of a week, I think. Um, I and, it, you know, so. it's, really a, it's, so. a remi- it's a reminder to not just write players off after one performance, really. Um, I mean, I, I was, I really like Brian Hill, but I was thinking that Conte is just not going to get on board with this guy who looks so weak in the challenge. But maybe he will. Maybe, you know, I think there's enough there that he'll use him more and a few cameos like that and he will play himself into his plans for sure. And this is what I think will happen with Spence as well. I think, you know, Spence got, got some time on the pitch against Everton. He's clearly sort of slowly, slowly winning Conte over, judging by his comments about him. It will only take a couple of cameos of him being his brilliant self and and then he'll be trusted. And then we go into the second half of the season with with two more viable squad options, which will be really helpful in this year of all years. You know, there's going to be a lot of tiredness going on with in multiple competitions and also there's a World Cup happening. So we're going to need the squad as much as possible. So it's, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good to see. I have a, a little bit of ITK to drop Ooh. while we're talking about Ooh. Spence. Not what you think it is or suddenly, oh dear, I, I walked myself into a corner. Um, it's very easy to look at a Spurs situation with right wing back over the last several months and say that we were, we were about to ship Emerson Roy out, out um, and then Doherty got injured and Spence was a, a project who was going to take time. So we stuck with him and we've been lumped with him. But my ITK is that Conte really, really likes Emerson Royale. Um, and he's, you know, not not just reluctantly stuck with him, but just really, really appreciates Emerson Royale. I assume, and this isn't knowledge, I assume he likes, you know, his dedication, his graft, his willingness to learn, all of those kind of things that I also sort of speculate is the same case with Davinson Sanchez. Um, so hopefully he also feels that way about, about Brian Hill and his application, despite lacking certain things. Mm. Not sure how I feel. About it. <laughs> it's 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 a weird one, isn't it? Because the thing is, I also really like Emerson Real. I really like it. I like him as a person and uh, the, his persona, and I like his defending, and I like a lot of his sort of transitional play. But he is so bad in the final third in this system; it just doesn't work. He can't do what's being asked of him, uh, and I think it does hinder us. You know, there are times when he is such an obvious weak link; it's almost you almost feel sorry for him. 
Um, and you're just willing the ball not to go to his side, which is all, it's an awful thing to say about a player you want to like. Um, but we do look so much more of a threat with with a fit and firing Doherty in the team. And that's Doherty, you know. He's a, Doherty is at best a 7 out of 10 right wing back, in my view. Like, you get a proper wing back in there and that adds, that escalates things pretty quickly. Do you remember when... You know, we suddenly we're a proper team. Do you remember when we were talking about Musa Sissoko as a right wing back? Yes. Things have moved on. <laughs> they have improved. Always remember <laughs> yeah, that. Musa Sissoko has been touted as, as a solution at right back or right wing back. So things have improved. Emerson has his faults, but you're right. I can see why Conte likes the cut of his jib. He's, he seems like a nice guy who, who really is learning and trying and trying his best. But yeah, I, I would like him sold. But he's still better than Musa Sissoko. The thing is, Bardi, you say this, and then you wait until you see the the lineup against United, and Lucas Moura is playing right wing back. No, no. Emerson is back now. He, he should be back. Is he? Might be back now. No. Hopefully, everything will be fine, and Emerson's and Doherty are rotating. Mm. But I've just got this horrible feeling that he's going to use Lucas as no, a right wing no. back at some point. Please no, please no, Antonio. Uh, Shrewsbury Spur says, "Think I'd heard you talk about thinking Longley was first choice over Davis." I still think Davis is my preference as he's really good at carrying the ball forward and either offering an overlap or an underlap. Could Longley play the Dyer role though? I was intrigued how on Wednesday night Conte took Dyer off for a rest and moved Romero there and not Sanchez. I'm not seeing what reason we still have Sanchez as he can't play either outside centre-back role adequately or the central role, it seems. So we have spoken a little bit about the potential of Longley playing the central centre-back role and I personally do think it's an option, but I think this week Conte specifically referenced that he doesn't have cover for Dyer and that he could play Romero there, but he didn't mention Longley. So I think I think it's fair to say that he sees Longley as a left centre-back only. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, there was also something about uh, Romero says in an interview, I think that he he prefers to play the central centre-back. He likes to play central centre-back. That's the role he played at Atalanta. I just find that such a weird situation because it was such a specialist role in which he was super aggressive from the middle. And um, I don't know. I, I do think that we were... Because he obviously he played that position for a spell last season when Dyer was out. But I think that in the Frankfurt game, there was one moment where he charged ahead super, super aggressively and won the ball um, from like midfield. But then after that, I think he looked bad in that role and he gave us problems with his aggression in that role. Um, so I don't know. We're still definitely not as balanced as I would like us to be um, with our coverage at centre-back. I mean, essentially, we can trade one left centre-back out for the other. We can't do much else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, I thought Romero, who has been a little bit hit and miss since his return from injury, was superb against Everton. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not just against Everton. I think he's he's picked it up in the last three games or so. And we, we mentioned that he had an injury, came back, was looking rusty, looking like he saved himself for the World Cup, looking not there. And I think that he's just taken a little while to build up, build up all his fitness and sharpness. And yeah, he's looking like he's looking like everyone's favourite centre back all of a sudden again. That has been my concern with him as well, especially now with like Richarlison pulls his calf muscle, and then it, all of a sudden the World Cup is a doubt. I I did think Romero looked like someone who wasn't committing to his usual style of play, perhaps because he was scared about missing the World Cup. But against Everton, he was fantastic. Mm, he really was. He was really, really, really good on the ball. Um, so his carrying was excellent, but also his passing, some really nice zipped passes into Kane, um, some chipped passes into the box. 
just really impressive. Really good stuff. I love him. I think he's fantastic. And I still I still think like he's the perfect player for this system on the right hand side. I think Davies played really well as well. And I, I do agree with what Shrewsbury Spurs said here about his underlapping, overlapping runs. I think I think they're a little bit better than Longley's at the moment. Yeah, I, I think um, we've seen glimpses of it from Longley, but Davis is definitely more keen yeah. to, to carry the ball. Um, I think Longley's passing is far superior to Davis's, though. Yeah. From what I've seen so far. I, mean, I just think Longley is a really good player who will continue to grow into the role the more he learns the system. We know what we're going to get with Davis. He's a very solid performer and someone we should never be unhappy to see on the team sheet in this, in this system. He's, he's just good. Just want to say um, congratulations to a couple of our our supporters. So Rajiv Chabra, um, they, he and his wife have welcomed um, Lucy Devin Chabra to the world. So congratulations to you, Rajiv, and to your wife. And also Brian Edgecombe, who uh, had twins back in July. And I'd somehow missed the email or misplaced the email um but just wanted to say massive congratulations to brian who tells me he and his partner are very tired <laughs> understandably three months in um but lovely news thank you for sharing really appreciate it uh so we've got a couple of questions about about systems and shapes so i think it's worth just sort of going back to that briefly before we before we end the pod so matt b says can you explain what the 343 formation offers us that the 352 doesn't and why conte prefers 343 he seems wedded to it but to my untrained eye each time we play 352 we seem to be better jamie's says regarding the 352 has it worked better for us because we're better suited to the formation or has it worked better because opposing teams are set up to play against our 343 patterns and are less drilled to deal with our 352 patterns basically are we truly better or are opposing teams worse um so i guess there's two points here there's there's why is conte wedded to 343 and is the 352 actually better any thoughts nathan definitely brighton specifically were prepared for the 343 and were flummoxed by by the 352 but i don't think you could argue that was the case for everton um and and yet it made a more significant impact in that game than it did the Bryant one. So um to address both, yeah, I think that we uh, mm, mm, <laughs> we're better in a three five two than we are playing a three four three with Richarlison as the right yes. one, right? Yes. But we're less brilliant than our best, like you know, last season or opening game of the season um in the three four three with with Kulosevsky. So um that's probably the clue. Um, talking more generally tactically for just a moment here, a three-four-three sort of better divides up the space in the final third. Um, gives gives better occupation there. It sort of um, it sort of is the the short and cheat codes to to doing positional play is just lining up in a three-four-three because you're immediately spacing yourself well for that. Um, I mean, yeah, there there are other there are other sort of specifics, but um, I think that Conte sees us having a higher ceiling in the three three four three than he does the three five two, and so he's pursuing um, he's pursuing that rather than just doing the best formation to get through a given game um, because he thinks we can get through a given game playing less brilliant three four three with a suboptimal player um, balance in the front line. I think that kind of sums everything up. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to be seeing more 3-5-2 right now, but I, I think that that is Conte's thinking. 
Anything to add, Barty? Yeah, I think it's noticeable because we switch from we switch to three five two when things aren't working. So all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Oh no, this this works for us." But it's because it's sure. a, a plan B, and it's good to have a plan B. We've also we've spoken many times about Spurs not having one. So I still think three four three is our preferred formation when everybody's fit and ready. But it's good to have three five two in the bag. That's a good point, actually, because we switched back to three four three at the end against Brighton, and it stopped us from coming under a lot of defensive pressure at the end of the game, where they were doubling up out, doubling up out wide, and you didn't get a big see the three four three is better, <laughs> you know, push on 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 Twitter or whatever. Um, I I would add as well, and this is something I've not spoken about for a little while, but in the three four three, when the ball is on his side of the pitch, Son is expected to come short to receive defeat. Mm. And I think his biggest issues this season have been when he's been coming short to receive the ball to feet. In the three-five-two, he's not doing as much of that. He's, I don't agree. he's generally playing up with Kane. I'm not convinced of that. That's something that I've been looking for. It's something I looked for against Brighton, and I thought he did it just as much, if not more. It's something I looked for against Everton. I think he did it just as much, if not more. I that's what I was expecting. That's one of the reasons we were calling for three-five-two last season when some was really struggling trying to receive in in the left channel. Uh, but obviously thriving when he got in behind. But I don't think there's been any less of that in, in the three five two. I've been shocked at how much Sun has come towards the ball when he's playing in a front two. Mm. Maybe I need to rewatch. I mean I've I've felt like Kane's doing a lot more of the deep work in the three five two and and Son is, is stretching the defence. But maybe maybe it's just because I'm looking for that. I might um, see if I can play around with any data and, and get get some information that way. Yeah, it would be good to know. I mean, I, I, and I also think that the the three five two, as we've spoken already, it allows us to press more aggressively with yeah. our with our eights, and I think they're both exceptional presses, better presses than than Son and Richarlison. Although Richarlison's a good presser, and it also allows our wing backs to play with a little bit more um, thrust as well, because they have an extra man there covering should should the play break down. Um, so it kind of allows us to take the handbrake off in that respect. But, you know, clearly when Kulisevsky comes back, he's one of our best players. We need him to be in the starting eleven absolutely every time um, he's fit and, and and well. And that is going to mostly mean 3-4-3 three, three, and I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, when we have a front three of Kane, Son and Kulisevsky, we're the best counter-attack team in the world. 100%. What you're going to hear now is a track from... Um, the new record of one of our ex-subs. He's called Dylan. He is a very delightfully lovely man. Um, he is in a band called Alto Palo, and this song is called Love That For You, and it's from their new record, Frenemy, which I heartily recommend. Get fucked. Everything you do is a back and forth Fake it till you make those passive thoughts Passes real talk Sad man Figure you could do with a satin cloth Try alone to you for your average flaws Lost as you close One day I'ma steal your bed That good support is wasted on you
All my old niggas behave. I ain't heard a word from you since 2K. Now it's niggas up in Paris with the douce. I get frustrated. You're the same vagrant at the show, hating. Kinda love the faces. What I need is patience before I start blazing. You the guest by the night, heard from you in weeks. I remember walking out this bucket, dragging me. Now I'm coming back with KDG, it's 40 deep. With my run up in your crib like it's Pistol P. Now you sorry seeing blues, nigga Freddie King. Now you sorry seeing blues, nigga Freddie King. On a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.